Welcome to Beggar's Bread, a podcast where we invite Christians and truth seekers to engage with thoughtful sources in an age of disinformation. Our name is inspired from a quote by D.T. Niles, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Each week, we recommend a source for you, either a sermon, podcast, or video. This week, we bring you The Journey Continues. And with that, this is Luke here in Colorado. And I'm here with Nick in North Carolina. How's it going, Nick? Hey, it's going well. Glad to be here for the last episode of season four. I feel like we've had, I know we were just talking about this before we started recording. Uh, It's been a pretty heavy season. So hopefully our listeners have stuck around and haven't unsubscribed yet due to our content. But I know like what we were were talking before, though, it's like, okay, well, if you don't like this episode, go to the next one because it's going to be a different topic usually. (laughs) Right. That's true. No, that's for sure. Also, okay, in case anyone's wondering, I know this has already been mentioned in a bonus episode in the past, but if you are not a Patreon supporter, you wouldn't know. I, I did not move to Colorado. I'm just here temporarily at a friend's house. But uh, with that, uh, we're bringing you The Journey Continues. Um, and we are talking about race, you know, because, you know, why not? We, we talked about a lot of other heavy stuff this season. Might as well just keep it going. Um, go out with a bang you know yeah exactly you know we want to bring you great sources of course so this week we're recommending the podcast the red couch specifically episode 28 lost in the sauce and this podcast is actually brought to you by a couple uh propaganda is the stage name for jason petty he's a rapper or prop for short you'll you'll hear him refer to himself or uh his wife referring to him as prop and then his wife dr alma zaragoza petty she has a PhD in education, and sometimes they'll she'll refer to herself and uh, Prop will refer to her as Doc, just because she's the she's the one that's got the the PhD there. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're I'm excited to mention this. The the reason for the title, in case you're like, what in the world? The journey continues. Uh, kind of two reasons. One is I heard I'm not sure if I heard this from Jamar Tisby or somewhere else, but they were basically talking about how sometimes with talking about race. A lot of times we'll talk about in terms of racism or anti-racism and not that those terms are totally bad but it's also helpful to think about race like as we're learning about our own identities and not just race like cultural identity ethnic identity you know those words can be defined differently but the idea that we are learning as a continual process not just like oh i learned everything there's like a certain set of almost like uh cerebral things i assent to but rather this is this is something that i will be learning about throughout my life learning about my identity and the other thing uh with the journey continues is to put it really simply and this may be very blunt i know i know a lot of our listeners maybe they don't talk about race very often or maybe they do sometimes but it's like always uncomfortable so just saying right away you know permission to feel uncomfortable i think we actually mentioned that last time we talked about race with uh mlk junior day i think we were like hey you know if this makes you feel uncomfortable we are still so happy that you're here so happy that you're part of this episode and that's all right um it's totally okay to feel uncomfortable sometimes uh but the other thing i want to mention is a lot of times in america we talk about race just in terms of black and white african americans and european you know descendants it's just like all right you know there's this race problem or this race issue of black and white and we're actually, it's like a really 
enormous simplification not that it's not important it's you know lots of important stuff but we also want to talk about the journey continues in the sense that there's more to talk about than just black and white and that you get to actually see prop and doc you know propaganda and alma dr alma just processing these things as a couple like their vulnerability and their courage and the beauty of their relationship is just on full display in this podcast um so that's one of the reasons we want to mention it but yeah no i think it also just this resource in general is relevant um not only for those having lived like similar experiences to theirs as it relates to their cultural identity and like the sense of other losing it uh within their biracial relationship or within majority culture but also people that like haven't experienced these things that they're talking about um because it's important that within people within like majority culture like such as myself and you right as white males particularly uh that we are exposed to you know narratives like the ones that they're sharing um because then we can understand more about kind of that societal pressure to conform and assimilate and then lose like their ethnic or cultural identity yeah like basically like you don't know what you don't know and if if you got no exposure to someone else's experience it's kind of hard to learn <laughs> like yeah exactly a, this is a place where people are you know generously sharing their experience for for anyone to listen so okay i i want to ask you a question nick to start us off <laughs> all right i'll be ready i think <laughs> I, I know i already asked you this before the episode but uh you did you actually prepped me for once i was like I whoa prepped, okay I'll... i know uh, that is totally on me also someone Oh, I can't answer this phone call. Um, <laughs> someone once made the comment, they're like, Nick's not as prepared as you. And I was like, okay, you know what? That's actually my fault because I'd never tell Nick what I'm going to talk about. So I actually felt kind of bad. I was like, oh, this isn't fair to Nick. So I just want to go publicly say I rarely <laughs> I rarely share the notes like I should of what I'm thinking. So Yeah, you tend I- to just kind of spring it on me, so i'm sorry about that unless it's a resource that i'm recommending it's not necessarily always going to be the same you know (laughs) right that's true so yeah just on the record nick is a very well thought out person but it's hard to when i've thought about something for weeks and i'm just like oh nick tell me what you think uh but anyway it's usually a a one-off yeah 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 (laughs) well i think some of the the part of these questions is just to be funny too but yeah okay uh speaking of questions nick have you ever heard of colorblindness or or wokeism oh both yeah i think uh probably somewhat familiar with it but no please tell me more no tell me more (laughs) since i'm not prepared you know okay sure yeah because because i didn't (laughs) okay um so colorblindness this is how i i feel like actually most people are probably familiar with both of these terms um but you know it's just basically these two different approaches Okay, I feel like I'm actually going to butcher this. Um, but Okay, let me just start with colorblindness. I grew up in a community, and I think a lot of folks did, in evangelical Christianity, where we were taught, hey, when you're approaching race, you know, you're supposed to be colorblind. You're supposed to just treat everyone equally. Like, you know, MLK said, you know, I dream of a day where, that like, my children won't be judged by the color of the skin, but the content of their character, right? Like, hey, that's good. If someone's hardworking, that's great. You, you, you encourage them. You promote them etc uh and wokeism as characterized it's it's a term that's been so abused it's like almost meaningless like a lot of terms in our public discourse uh but the idea is like oh you're woke you're aware of of racial 
um, problems, systemic racism, etc. And as you know, we we may have witnessed in the past year and years prior the tension in America thinking about race. Um, a lot of times, there's kind of that that color blindness that we fall back on, and I, that's what I grew up in. Again, like I said, that's what I that was my framework for thinking about race. Um, and okay, just a small sidetrack, but I think it's important. People sometimes define race or ethnicity differently. Just as like a, a, a communication thing, this may not be how everyone defines it, but this is like my very basic use of the two terms right now on the podcast. Race, a lot of times it's this construct, this idea of like, oh, someone looks different than me. They have different features with their melanin. You know, someone looks darker black, someone looks lighter white, somebody in between brown or even different terms actually i think some of them are derogatory so i'm going to be careful not to use those anyway but how we describe a native american just like these terms that are like very basic just grouping tons of people together versus sometimes how ethnicity may be used is like almost describing the people you came from or the place you came from um so again this is like very general so i know not everyone uses the term the terms i'm going to use them i just want to communicate that up front so that it's not as confusing but anyway, so what I'm going to try and sell everyone on, so yeah, I'm, I'm trying to sell you something here today, but <laughs> it doesn't cost me anything except for the time it takes to listen, is what I would call roughly uh, the Trinitarian approach to anthropology. And th- there is some danger with this, so I, d- I just want to give a, a caution ahead of time to please listen to the, the dangers, but I'll start with what it, what I'm talking about. So... When we talk about the Trinity and Christianity, there are two main buckets of heresies or like false teaching. One is if you emphasize the sameness of the Trinity. So, you know, the Christian doctrine way of seeing God is three persons in one God. So somehow there's this distinct three persons. And yet at the same time, there's a unity. There's a one being one God. So if you emphasize the sameness too much, one of these heresies is called modalism. It's basically this idea that you are, it's actually just one person, not three persons, and they kind of present themselves in different ways. So that would be one heresy um, just in one of those buckets, the sameness. The other side is emphasizing difference too much. So basically, instead of there being one God, we start saying it's tritheism. It's three gods. It's not really one God. It's just, there's just three different gods. Um, that is not a Christian doctrine. Also one you might, if you study church history, you might come across Arianism, uh, where basically this is this idea that Jesus is not actually fully divine or he wasn't begotten. I'm going to butcher this, but like he, he's like somehow sub, uh, sub, um, then equal like what's the word i'm trying to use like subordinate subordinate subservient i I don't know if i'm using these words right which is a little bit dangerous but bear with me basically this idea that like jesus is not fully god um which is a heresy so within the trinitarian matrix if you want to use that word the way of viewing god is there's this mystery somehow three persons and one god there's distinction and yet unity in this mystery now i if you take that just broad framework and apply it to humans, anthropology is just a fancy way of saying the study of, of humanity, um, you know, theology, the study of God. Um, if you take that and apply it to anthropology, specifically think about ethnicity, 
we have these two dangers again. If you emphasize sameness too much, you're going to basically think, you know, colorblind. It's like everybody's the same. There's not really any distinction between someone's different cultures, someone's different ethnicities. And you're going to, you're kind of going to bulldoze this, the beauty and the differences of cultures. And if you emphasize difference too much, you know, you're going to, these are, I think this is actually in some ways way more intuitive for people. You know, you get, you get slavery, you get segregation, you get Jim Crow laws. Um, but just with, okay, before I move on too much, there is a danger with trying to use theology and think about anthropology and the image of God. Cause there's a mystery. I just want to emphasize so much that there is a mystery in the Imago Dei in the image of God, because even as a, this is actually a different thing from prop, one of his songs called precious Puritans and the, the background music is really uh, haunting in a way. Like it, it sounds like the swaying of a ship and he's talking about, basically, hey, head pastor, when you're quoting Puritans, you know, it's actually really uncomfortable for me as an African-American um, because these are people who own slaves or sometimes maybe not own them, but tolerated slavery instead of speaking out against it. And so the whole song has this background of like this, like the swaying of a ship and the creaking of wood because it's invoking this image of like a slave ship. And he basically, he goes on to talk about how like, look, the, the, one of the line, I'll just quote the line of the, the Puritans, the pastors, they're teaching and they taught a gospel that said that God had multiple images in mind when he created us in it. So obviously if you, if you're a Puritan, you know, entering back a couple years, a couple hundred years ago, and you separate God out into separate images, then you can, or like almost like separating humanity out into separate images. It, that's, you can do this weird mental gymnastics to try and justify slavery while still being a Christian. So anyway, he's, that's just pointing out one of the dangers and taking theology and applying it to like, like anthropology. So with that, like caution in mind, I did want to mention, so there's, there's a clear verse that pushes for sameness in anthropology, according to like a Christian view of anthropology. The most famous verse most commonly thought of is in Galatians, Galatians 3:28. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So clearly this is like this really strong push for an, an egalitarian view of humanity of, hey, we are all one in Christ. This sort of superiority of other religions or other frameworks or viewing humanity is like totally messed up in Christ. We are all one. We are, our value is all in Christ. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, again, like I said, this whole journey, right? Like this is in a lot of ways, that's what I grew up with, right? Like we're all the same color blindness. I'm not going to treat you any different. And in some ways that's, that's like a total, it's a good intuition. Like it's good to treat people well, <laughs> regardless of who they are, where they came from, you know, what they look like. Like there's, there's, that's not a wrong intuition. Um, but it's problematic if it forces assimilation. So again, like as we mentioned, the problems of emphasizing difference in anthropology, and then I'm just talking about ethnicity. You know, we can also talk about gender and economics, but we, we kind of talk about those in some other episodes and I don't want to get too broad in a way that's, you know, you kind of lose focus. But when thinking about ethnicity, again, we have all these examples from history, thinking about the danger of difference, emphasizing difference too much. 
um, segregation, Jim Crow, slavery. Obviously, the most extreme is like genocide, right? But more just talking about in an everyday sense, there's a there's a danger, right? That's not very hard to convince people like, oh, yeah, it's wrong. Uh, at least I would say most Americans think of themselves as like, yeah, I am all for people being rewarded for doing hard work and against people who being rewarded for not doing hard work. You know, like that's not a hard thing to convince Americans of, or at least like evangelical Americans. I feel like most, yeah. But the thing that's tricky, and this is the thing that kind of tripped me up when I first started hearing about it, I was like, wait, we're not, we're not all colorblind. Like that's, that's not the way we approach everything was uh, when some of my brothers and sisters in Christ started pointing out passages in scripture that I had not like, I had not taken them in in the way I had thought I had like, okay, that didn't make any sense. I, I wasn't understanding the fullness of the text. And obviously there's a lot of different texts and lots of different ethnicities mentioned in the Bible all the time. But one of the texts that I really wanted to just sit on and mention today is in Acts 6. Um, and if you're familiar with the Bible, I'll just give a really, really brief overview of Bible literacy. So uh, Luke, not me, Luke, but the ancient writer Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke because he was basically financed. He's a researcher uh, by this by a benefactor, someone who had the money. He's like, hey, go research all this stuff about Jesus and report back to me. Write a book about it. Report back to me. So that's what he does, the Gospel of Luke. And that's all about Jesus. And then the book of Acts is like a sequel. So it's it's like the benefactor, the guy, Theophilus is his name, but really that just means lover of God. So most likely it's just like a, like kind of a generic title for like, oh yeah, the lover of God sent Luke to go and research stuff. So then he has Luke research Acts and sometimes it's called the Acts of the Apostles. So this is like the sequel after Jesus comes this description of the early church and in Acts as you'd you know as you'd expect from any community of people there's you know there's growing pains right so in Acts chapter 6 we come to one of these just fascinating moments in the early church it says in those days when the number of disciples was increasing the Hellenistic Jews so that's the Greek Jews Hellenistic is just way of saying Greek the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews um, so it's just talking about, you know, Hebrews in Jerusalem because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12, so the, the 12, you know, disciples, obviously Judas isn't there. The Matthias, the guy that was like the fill in the 12 were there. The 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer in the ministry of the word. Okay, so basically, let's put it really simple. Sim Man, I've just been rambling. I'm just trying to take a breath. To put it really simply, you've got Greeks, Greek people, Hellenistic, and Hebrews, you know, um, Jewish people in Jerusalem. The Greeks are the minority because they're in Jerusalem in the ancient times. You know, the Greeks are not the majority in Jerusalem. The The Hebrews are. And the Greeks are like, hey, our widows aren't being fed. They're being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Okay, so then they go to the head honchos and they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, this is a good point. 
let's uh let's get a let's get a crew together we're kind of busy because we are you know we're giving all our attention to studying the word praying the ministry of the word we're, we got stuff going on we're preaching so you guys you know you bring us seven people and so then it continues this proposal pleased the whole group so i was like all right yeah, we'll get a crew together and then this is the people they chose and and to me in the past this would mean nothing to me but these are all seven greek men so seven of the minority culture they chose stephen a man full of faith and of the holy spirit stephen's the first martyr of the church as well also philip procurus nicanor timon parmenas and nicholas from antioch a convert to judaism they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them so just to again reiterate growing up in the church i grew up to be colorblind and like again that intuition is not entirely wrong like treating people well regardless of what they look like that's a great thing that's that's a beautiful thing um but then here you have the scripture and this was first introduced to me by uh professor dr christine fulch she was at uh she was giving a lecture at wheaton um but now i think she's at duke now uh anthropology professor and she was just pointing out the scripture in a way i'd never read this passage before and i think just to put it really simply this passage is not colorblind it is color aware if you will or like ethnicity aware you know the people that are being overlooked the widows the greek widows seven of the people that are appointed to look over the distribution of food for the greeks and the hebrews are all of the minority culture so just to put it really like again I'm not trying to like kill this point, but also like, it's it's pretty significant. Like when, and you know, Nick and I, we are trying to bring you thoughtful resources, not trying to, not trying to provoke controversy needlessly. You know, we're not, we're not trying to make trouble for people, but I I do just want to say as gently, but as clearly as I can, um, there's, there's kind of a, there's a fear of wokeism if you will in the evangelical church right now kind of like the sense of like hey we can't divide each other up by race and i'm not defending all people that are talking about different ways of viewing race different ways of kind of dividing up society and whatever but i i do want to say as clearly as i can the bible is not entirely colorblind and it, that matters for how we're thinking about ethnicity and culture now. And I, I'm really, I'm excited to mention, um, and I know I'm, I'm kind of getting toward the end of my <laughs> literal monologue right now, but I, I wanted to bring you guys, you know, you know, cause I, I'm trying to learn this stuff too. You know, as Nick mentioned, we're both, we're both uh, white European people of background. I'm from the Midwest. He's from the South. So we, we've got lots of learning to do, but I'm really excited about how, approachable and how vulnerable and beautiful um propagandas and dr alma how they're just opening up about their marriage opening up about things they have to process and so anyway that i feel like (laughs) if it if it feels like you kind of got a fire hose of information there (laughs) that's you know i apologize if it was a little too much but also like it's important so (laughs) I'm doing my best to get the information across to you guys, but I also, I don't want to, 
I don't want to pretend like it doesn't matter. That's like, oh, it's just a kind of casual thing. It's like, no, this is this is pretty, this is pretty important. Yeah, and there are so so many resources if people, particularly Christians, make the decision to be conscious of these issues and not to just put them to the sideline as secondary issues, um, but actually like to recognize the seriousness of it. And not only as like a unity problem, but also as like a, a gospel issue. Um, and like, even as this resource that we're recommending talks about, um, they mentioned it briefly with regard to, I think it was Alma being in predominantly white spaces. Um, but this translates to the church as well. Right. And that as people of color, they want to bring the whole of themselves into spaces in which sometimes they're not in the majority. So like in predominantly white spaces, which is what we see oftentimes in those multi-ethnic churches where it's not necessarily white people that are moving into predominantly black churches. It's the few black Christians that are moving into these predominantly white churches. Um, And there's been data to kind of go through that and understand like why there's been kind of this like exodus of black flight from these spaces. Um, But what I'm convicted about is that we should really celebrate, especially as Christians, those dividing walls between cultures and ethnic groups when they're broken down. And as a means by which to like celebrate somebody's blackness or brownness and not make the assumption as particularly like when we're in positions as Christians within majority culture, um, that like white is right, that everything that we do in predominantly white churches is like a result of Jesus and not our own culture causing us to have disordered affections, which then invalidates, as we talked about before, the Imago Dei of those black Christians in those spaces. Yeah, no, that that's so good. I I, I remember this is, well, okay. I, also, just a disclaimer, you know, the whole thing about the, the, the title of our podcast episode this week is that the journey continues, right? Like, so if you're if you're sitting there right now going again i i don't talk about race that much you know this is kind of a this is kind of a first time or only maybe i've talked about it once or twice like just to encourage you like hey don't don't give up if you feel like this is overwhelming i don't want to talk about this you know um it's all right to to just sit and process and digest (laughs) everything we're throwing at you but also like for the sake of living into the fullness of the body of Christ, that everybody can do that. Not just us. It is really important that we learn to listen and learn to hear just like, like you're saying, Nick, I'm, I'm literally just copying what you're saying now. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Cause it's like that uncomfortability, particularly for white people. Cause like, obviously this is new stuff for me too, within probably the last five years. Right. I mean, like we're young too, but still like, it wasn't something that like, we grew up within necessarily within these kind of subcultures. And so it is challenging and it is thought provoking. And I think it requires a, like a level of humility to be open and present and listen to another side that you might not have entertained before given maybe the framework of color blindness that you had like grown up with. Um, but I think this is like at least this resource that we're providing for this 
season finale is an introduction into really understanding kind of the dimensions of that societal pressure of the majority culture to assimilate and like how that can oftentimes be found within church spaces and that I think is problematic and that we should really create space in which black and brown people can celebrate and worship God within, you know, their black and brown bodies as God has made them. Absolutely. Um, and then uh, before I forget, I do want to bring in our co-listener. This is Jeffrey from Missouri. Uh, thank you, Jeffrey, for uh, being our co-listener this week. He said, it was fun to listen to their banter and hear them talk about this topic as friends, hearing how she was affectionate towards Bamba music, how he was annoyed by it. Their thoughts on teaching their children Spanish was relatable. And he says, I, I want my children to speak Chinese because it would be useful and also keep that part of them alive, but I don't speak Chinese fluently. And he says, I think this is something that a lot of second generation Americans face. And I'm not sure if Alma or Prop are second generation Americans, but definitely that that same processing you can hear in their podcast. He says lots of their family speaks the mother tongue, but they may not be fluent. And then he all, he quotes prop. He says, how we serve each other's fullness is a phrase prop used. This is awesome. And feel like this is a healthy reason to embrace, celebrate, recognize, and encourage diversity because it's part of who we are. So thank you, Jeffrey. That's uh, um, thanks for taking the time to, to listen to the podcast episode and um, gives your thoughts and also to, to really to everyone um, we this you know this is going to be concluding our season four it's our season four finality finality talking <laughs> 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 I'm getting tongue twisted oh I know you've been talking for a while I've had good content to share I'm like I looked at the at the recording I'm like wow I I talked for a while. <laughs> Oh, I'm don't worry. We can talk. I can talk about race <laughs> I later know. again in future. Because it's always going to be a, it's a key point to bring up for each of our seasons. And so if you're tired of us, you know, talking about it, well, it's, it's going to happen again. So I would, I would encourage, especially our Christian listeners to, you know, take a gamble and listen and, you know, open up your minds and hearts to this stuff. Yeah, no, that, that's a good exhortation. Um, we did. Oh, we did want to leave you with a final note. Nick and I were talking about this a little bit with uh, Nick starting grad school. Congrats to Nick again. Yay! Um, we will. And <laughs> it's honestly, gonna be so rough. Then, oh, you're gonna be great. I'm. I'm so excited. To, I'm also. I'm really excited just to hear whatever you're learning about because then I was like, <laughs> I get to learn stuff too. Um, yeah, maybe get some more interviewees on. We'll see. <laughs> yeah that'd be great uh but speaking of <laughs> speaking of the, the oh words where'd they go um <laughs> okay so we're we're finishing up season four right we've loved these seasons we're gonna we're still gonna bring you more beggar's bread don't worry we're just gonna take a little bit longer of a break maybe a couple months and we're gonna bring in a uh fall season that's not just seven episodes we're all gonna do like almost like double what we used to do but then we'll just have uh, some fewer seasons just so going forward again nick and i want to make sure we're getting good research in and giving you thoughtful content but also like he's doing grad school <laughs> so and i have stuff yeah. going on too so you know we're, we're just we're trying to make it work while still 
still going. And if you have a Patreon or if you want to support us on Patreon, you know, please do so. Uh, we'll probably have a couple episodes in between seasons because uh, we we are very grateful for your support and also want to just be like, hey, thanks. Here's some more content. Um, but yeah, we just want to let you guys know that. So if you're wondering, hey, it's been two weeks. Where's the next season? It, it's probably going to be closer to a couple months. Um, but yeah. Any other final thoughts you've got, Nick, before we close out season four of Beggar's Bread? No, I'm just really grateful to have all these great things to share with people and making, you know, tough conversations. Wow, I can't say words either. A little bit more palpable, hopefully. And hopefully it, like, stirs up people to have the ability to have those conversations with other people that might need to be encouraged to pursue resources as well <laughs> that's good that's good yeah almost like being the bridge for the conversation to the next person so fantastic well thank you guys for hanging out with us for season four we are grateful for you uh spending time with us and we will see you later in season five